Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Flexible Advisor podcast, where my co-host David Partain and I dig into a broad range of conversations that we hope will help our advisor listeners grow their businesses by deepening client relationships. David, how are you doing today? I am well. It's good to be back with you. You've been spending time on the road working with advisors on a new wallet share workshop, but I am very glad to have you back to discuss this important topic for today. And I uh, have been having a lot of fun, yes, and I am also happy to be back. (laughs) While I've been on the road uh, talking about our behavioral research that we've conducted on why people are transparent or not, why they trust or don't, I've been diving deep in uh, with some of the advisors I've gotten the honor to interact with on how best to engage with clients to better understand who those clients are, and what they really need from you, their advisor. We've also been talking a lot about the perils that come with making assumptions and what a relationship killer that can be sometimes when the assumptions you make are wrong. So with that said, I'm absolutely thrilled to have Pam Lucina on the show today. Pam is the president of the Northern Trust Institute. She's the chief fiduciary officer and trust and advisory practice executive. She leads a national team of trust and estate professionals to help clients achieve their goals through the use of Northern Trust's world-class tools and techniques that all have an eye toward the human element of wealth and family dynamics. Pam is a recognized leader and speaker within the trust and estate legal community, and she, I know, is a strong advocate for women in this industry. So recently, I read uh, an article in Think Advisor that quoted Pam on the topic of advising childless and child-free clients. Now, we've covered a lot of ground in our last 93 episodes, but this was something different. It was, you know, I'm sure it's been out there, but it's not something I've seen a lot. Um, And it's not anything we've ever talked about on this show. So, Pam, thank you so much for joining us to impart your wisdom and guidance on this topic. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. And I do think it is a very interesting topic. So, you know, in the article I just mentioned from Think Advisor, it begins with a statement that is this, advisors advising clients who have no children and don't intend to give some advisors pause. That's because most of the planning variables that advisors use solve for an equation that includes and often focuses on children. When you remove the possibility of kids, it changes the underpinnings of the advisor's financial planning scripts. Pam, how challenging of an issue is this for advisors? And I'm curious, how does Northern Trust train to navigate this issue? 
Yeah, it is a challenging issue. Advisors love to solve problems. Uh, so it comes from a very benevolent spirit. But in solving those problems, they're, as you said earlier, they're often guilty of making assumptions. And one of the assumptions that we're so used to planning for those that have families that they come to the table as if the client has or will have children. And it's interesting because it's actually very common for people in couples not to have children. You know, since 2007, the national birth rate has been declining. There's been some research that was done by the Pew Center that found that 44% of adults childbearing age, you know, that's 18 to 49, say they're actually not likely to have children. So it's not an uncommon thing. And, and you know, why we have this bias is, I think, just because we're trying to solve for issues. So the first thing you can do, you know, when you have a bias and to change it is to recognize it. When we look at our training at Northern, we acknowledge that there's a bias there. We highlight it. We call it out. And rather than give our advisors a script, we tell them not to come with a script. You shouldn't start with, here's what you should do. What you should start with is open-ended questions, you know, deep, ready to give some deep listening, unclouded by your bias that what you're now, you know, both conscious and unconscious bias regarding the client's actual intent intentions, not, not our own agendas. And we do a lot of training around recognizing those biases and coming without a script. So Pam, that is very interesting because I would assume, and I'm again, I'm biased here and making an assumption <laughs> that there are gender assumptions and biases that can flow into these conversations, particularly with women. Do you think that is a risk wealth managers need to be particularly aware of? Yeah. And you're getting deeper into the bias and I, and, and yeah. it's absolutely, it absolutely is true. You know, if a woman comes, we assume they're a mother. Mm. If a man comes, interestingly, we don't necessarily assume he's a father. You know, we make assumptions, yeah. I think, in the society, you know, for women to have a full life, well, they must have children. I think actually, David, I think that's actually changing. I think you see more and more yeah. prominent women speak out on this. There was a recent Jennifer Aniston, you know, for years, they tore her apart in the tabloids said, you know, is she pregnant? Is she not pregnant? Oh, she must have left Brad Pitt because she doesn't like children. <laughs> and then finally, just recently, she came out and defended her choice. And I think a lot of women actually related to her on that, because I think women feel like we have to explain our choices, that we're deemed selfish, or we don't like kids if we don't have children. And, you know, for advisors, we probably shouldn't ever delve into this. I mean, there could be a lot of personal reasons for not having it. They could be medical they can be financial, they can be relationship. I think the common denominator in all of this is it's actually none of our business. Mm -hmm. Why women and women shouldn't feel like they have to tell us why. They could love kids, but it could be their nieces and nephews. There's other important ways, and it really is none of the advisor business. So I think empathy here goes a really, really long way. Empathy that of why they may feel stigmatized and feel like they have to explain their choices. So you we're talking about the open-ended questions. And uh, ironically, I was just in New York talking a lot about that myself this week. But talk to us about like some of the common discovery questions that advisors can slip into. I think a lot of it just is, you know, you've done the same thing for so long and you just kind of slip into these things. What are some of those questions that can cause relationship issues for advisors and how would you counsel them to be prepared not to 
by accident or on purpose slip into those discovery questions that can cause the issues? Yeah, again, the first step is recognizing the bias and coming at it with a point of empathy. Recognize that those without children may come to the table feeling a bit stigmatized. And so it's really, it's not what questions you ask, it's how you ask those questions as to whether or not you're going to like feed into that feeling of having to be defensive or actually calming it and making them feel relaxed. So let me just give you a few examples of that. I've heard advisors say things like, okay, do you have a family? You don't want to ask somebody if they have a family. Everyone has a family. They just, mm. they just birth one. But you know, in your family evolves, it could be your friends. So instead, like rephrase that and say something like, tell me about your family. Uh, a little more open-ended, a little more empathetic. Another one, you know, is we're often so used to planning for children that we almost overly explain. And so we'll use that by default. Advisors may say something like, okay, since you don't have children, who do you want to make decisions for you? Well, obviously that makes them feel like an outlier. They're not similar to your client base. And as I said earlier, you know, almost half the population either is not planning on having any children. So maybe rephrase that into an open-ended question as to what are some things that you care about? And then lastly, and I don't think any of us would ever intentionally do this, but don't question their decision. Um, and I don't think anyone would question, but when you say things like, well, what if you change your mind? I think benevolently you're trying to get to, do you have to plan for you know contingencies? But it can be offensive as if, as if you're questioning their decision or making them feel somewhat flaky. And so, you know, our role as advisors is to put structures in place to give them peace of mind and to assume that our clients made some well thought out decisions that may be different than your own agenda or not, but they were well thought out and we should just start from a place of that. So thank you for that. And I know of an advisor who asked about, you know, do you need guidance on fertility experts? I mean, just crazy. Like, yeah. why would you say that? But again, it was, he thought he was doing it from a place of good intentions, but it had the opposite effect. But I'm, you know, there are so many issues that, you know, around this, and I'm wondering, like, specifically, as it relates to aging, you know, this could be a more nuanced conversation for individuals that don't have children don't plan to, you know, the long term care planning, the, you know, durable power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, what do those conversations look like? Yeah, this is, you know, it's tricky because children are, are often who people turn to rely on as they age. Just practically, they're in a position from an age standpoint to, you know, maybe take care of us as we age and oversee the process and manage it. I know I'm, I'm actually personally doing that for my mom right now, and it's a lot of work. And children are, are, are in a good position from an age purpose. They may not always be the best people to do it. <laughs> But practically, that makes sense. So if you don't have a children, it's, it's, it, it, it can be a real issue. And unfortunately, you know, if you look at our, the way our financial system is built around care and where in the aging population, it's kind of built on that premise that children will be there to manage the process. And if you don't, there's not a great answer. And so what we try to tell our clients or advisors to do is to, is to plan, is to help clients plan for it. And you mentioned one, you know, looking at long-term care insurance um, before it becomes too costly. Uh, a lot of um, clients decide to self-insure, meaning that they, they put aside a bucket 
uh, of funds that they intend to use to hire professionals to help them with some of this. And then we always train our advisors that, you know, as clients get closer to that actual age of where they're going to need to dip into that bucket, that you manage that bucket so that those assets have less risk associated with them, that they can withstand, especially right now, like in the current volatility that we're in right now, you don't want to have to have to sell assets to to hire professionals and help with um, healthcare. And so our advice there is to plan for it and, you know, monetarily and qualitatively because it can become an issue. So Pam, for somebody who worked in Northern Trust Wealth Management for several years prior to coming over to FlexShares, I know that legacy planning, and I know how important legacy planning is for Northern Trust Wealth Management. But for many, such legacy planning revolves around family trusts, even like multi-generational businesses and other planning that is actually focused on future generations. So what about the difficult end-of-life planning for those without children? I'm guessing having the appropriate documents in place is even more important for them. What should advisors be thinking about on this front for their clients without children? As planners, we naturally are going to make a distinction between there are those that have no children now, but they may in the future. And then there are those that have no children and don't plan on having it in the future or just will never have children. And so the planning is different for that. I, you know, I think some people call that childless versus child-free. I'm actually not a fan of that nomenclature because childless, even saying childless, it kind of presumes that someone's lacking something. Mm. But you do want to delve into, you know, what is the situation here and what are some contingencies that I need to plan and not predict whether it's, you know, they may have it in the future and to plan for that. But I do think we, again, it goes back to open-ended questions. You want to step back and not presume that they want to have a legacy beyond their lifetime. And so you want to ask, you know, do you wish your assets to outlive you? And if the answer is yes, then you want to help plan for that. And it's a, a you think it's a it's sort of a fallacy or, or a false presumption to think that those that don't have children don't need a will. Everyone needs a will. You don't want the state planning for you. And if you don't have a will, you're under their default rules. And that may not be what you intend. Yeah. The last thing I would say, if there are causes or people that are part of this legacy planning, I always encourage both those who have children and those who don't is to tell them. Um, I had one client who had decided that, you know, they did want their assets to outlive them. They were going to give them to their siblings. It was a very close family. And when they actually talked to their siblings, their siblings said, you know what, leave it to my kids. Don't leave it to me. I, you're actually going to compound my estate tax problem. So have that conversation ahead of time is, is also good advice. That's really interesting. I, you know, I mean, it's all the things you don't think about, but you could be creating more, more of a yep. challenge for people uh, when you think you're helping them. So, you know, on this podcast, we're really, you know, we always try to focus on how advisors can deepen their client relationships, because really at the core of what we do, it's that it's building the relationship, it's being there for people. And so we've discussed some interesting and unique needs that clients without children have, but I'm sure that there are unique circumstances for all kinds of clients. And, you know, you're the chief fiduciary officer at uh, Northern Trust Wealth Management. What do you think the best way to have more productive planning conversations with, uh, with clients, no matter what their situation would be? 
And how much is that at the forefront of what your team does? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing you have to recognize is that every client is unique. Um, You know, some people measure success based upon a so-called benchmark, such as the S&P 500 index, and that's applied sort of generically. But we feel like the the true measure of success is not a generic benchmark. It's it's whether or not your client is able to achieve their unique goals, whether that's having children, not having children, whatever that be. And so you really need to step back and ask open-ended questions um, around their source of wealth, their behavioral desires, upcoming life events. And then once those goals are identified, your advisors can run scenarios and show, are you on track or are you not on track? So you know, you can beat a benchmark, but if your goals are not on track, then you're not successful. And, and, and good advisors will ask those questions and monitor and track them, you know, to determine what real success is. One of the folks we had on the podcast recently, his thought was it was important for him to every, every year, you know, talk to the client about what would make you happy in the next 12 months, you know, not forgetting the longer term goals, but acknowledging that a lot can change in the course of a year. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, this is a dynamic process and it has to be fluid and you have to track and, and, and measure it. You know, we have this saying here at Northern that assets serve a purpose. You know, I think in many places, like you walk into it and you ask a client, well, what is your risk tolerance? And that's a really hard question for anybody to answer and, and, and that will change, but they don't know that it'll change. It isn't until you actually have the question of, you know, what are your goals? What are your dreams? And then, you know, match that to make sure that you stay on track. And that's how you tailor it to the individual client. It's not based upon our preconceived biases or what we think should be their goals. Are they're, they're based on what their actual goals and those change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know mine have over the years. So <laughs> If you're talking about going a little deeper on that, when you talk about the goals and dreams part of the relationship, what have you found in here at Northern Trust and just in general, as you've gone throughout your career, how do you balance that providing sound management of the investment portfolio versus the planning for goals and dreams? How important is that that working within that kind of a juggling act for an advisor? Oh, for us, it's one and the same. Mm. Because you, it, you, like I said, if you beat the benchmark, you're not successful unless you're you're attaining yeah. your goals. And so, the ability to be able to quantify goals and run what if scenarios and show a client whether or not their goals are attainable or what changes they need to make to make it—that's how you're successful. So, I don't think you can separate needs and desires from financial performance. Mm. Yeah. I understand that. So Pam, your insights have been very helpful. This time has flown by. Is there anything else you would counsel advisors to consider before their discovery meetings with a prospect or even with their current clients? You know, I would just say be a constant student of where our unconscious biases lie, whether it's children, not children, and other unconscious biases. When you recognize them, you tailor how you ask questions, when you ask questions, And so I would constantly be trying to learn and grow. I learned from my kids. I learned from other advisors. And then you become more empathetic in how you deliver. And I just, I think a better advisor and more attuned to the specific goals of of the person sitting across the table from you. 
That's great. That's good stuff. Well, it's been a real delight to have you on the, on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's very fun. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about Pamela Lucina, it is as easy as searching for her on your favorite search engine or on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening to The Flexible Advisor. We created this show for advisors to help them grow their business. If you like this podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a five-star rating, but most importantly, sharing your podcast with other advisors. For myself, Laura, and Pam, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.